So we find out from testimony yesterday in the El Chapo trial uh, in New York going on that uh, from a drug lord who worked closely with Mr. Guzman, uh, El Chapo, from 2007 to 2013. And that's, you know, during the time when he was hiding, uh, going through all these ranches in Sierra Madre mountains and, you know, away from everybody. What are you laughing at? Oh, nothing. No, keep going. You Why go. are you? No, no, keep going. You're fine. You know, like the way I said something? Oh, no, no, no. no. It's just funny hearing you try to say this in in English. Sierra Madre. Those are Spanish words. Why Sierra Madre Mountains. I don't know what that is. What do you mean? What are they called? I don't know. They're Sierra. Don't even start with me. Don't. It's just we just started. Now, according to testimony in the trial, uh, El Chapo paid the former president, Enrique. Well, you know who he is. The former president, Rick. <laughs> Rick. The former president, Rick, Rick Pennanito. No, 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 no. Rick no, Pennanito. No, no, no. What? Former president of Mexico, Enrique Peña Nieto. That's what I just said. Rick Pennanito. What is that Pennanito? <laughs> what is that Pennanito? I have no idea. There's no Pennanito. Rick Pennanito. Peña Nieto. Uh, so, so how do you say uh, Former president, former Mexican president. Enrique Peña Nieto. Took a hundred million dollar bribe from El Chapo. Um, dear El Chapo. <laughs> Call me? A hundred million bucks. This is chewing El Chapo. <laughs> this is now you're listening to chewing El Chapo. By the way, El Chapo's real name is Joaquin Guzman Loera. That's what I said. I don't know why you're, I mean, it's exactly what I said. Kind of. A hundred million. Now, first of all, that's not a surprise, right? I mean, it's like, I mean, that's probably more than you would have thought, maybe, you know, maybe. But I mean, El Chapo and what's his real name? El Joaquin Guzman Loera. He would, you know, you figured maybe fifty million, and look, here's this is what you're going to get, or I kill you. You do what I say, right? But he gave him a hundred million. I mean, hundred million to uh, what's his name? Joaquin Guzman Loera. Hundred million to him is pff, that's a hundred bucks to you and me. Hundred bucks. He's got pallets of pallets $10. of ten dollars. A hundred bucks. I'm still kind of like t- that's ten dollars to hundred million. A hundred million is ten dollars to Joaquin Guzman Loera. And he paid that to the former Mexican president. Enrique Peña Nieto. 100 million bucks. El Chapo staying in Mexico forever for 100 million bucks. 100 million bucks. This is chewing El Chapo, baby. And really, you can't do that, though, because, you know, once you do that, I mean, you are, you belong to him. You belong to, you belong to. Enrique Peña Nieto. Tough to find good help. You belong to. Enrique Peña Nieto. Uh, no. You do not belong to the Mexican, the former Mexican president. If you take the money, you belong to... If you take the money, then you, you belong to... Joaquin Guzman 
Louis. I told you it's tough to find good help. <laughs> By the way, can we stop giving these Mexicans weird names? <laughs> can we stop? It's 2019. Like, can we give them normal names like El Chapo? Well, El Chapo, I mean, he's not like a young spring chicken, right? I mean, he's an older guy. He's in his 50s now, I guess. I don't even know how old he is, to be honest. I don't know. El Chops. He's got to be at least in his 50s now, right? Yeah, okay, so he's 61. I mean, I figured that, that you know, mid-50s into his early 60s because he's been doing it for a while. So, again, $100 million from... Joaquin Guzman Loera. To the former Mexican president... Enrique Peña Nieto. That's lunch. That's lunch. I mean, he was buying all those ranches all around in the uh, Sierra Madre Mountains. Yeah, still trying to find that name on the story. Where is that? What do you mean? The Sierra Madre Mountains. That's where he was staying. It was in the well, testimony. Why is it with an Italian accent? <laughs> this is not Italy. This is Mexico. You roll your R's and your N's. What do you mean? Say it again. Sierra Madre. See, see, you're saying it with Italian. This is not in Italy. This is in Mexico. No, Italian Mexican. That's Italian Mexican. Don't you, I mean, duh. <laughs> Speaking of Mexican, I'm sorry. Speaking of Hispanics, uh, the big video that's made the rounds of the little kid uh, getting smashed with the uh, birthday cake. I think it's a birthday cake. It might I be think a so, celebration yeah. birthday cake, or you know, hey, you, you know, you survived first grade in Mexican school. I don't know what it is, but I'm told. I I saw the video last night, and I thought. You know, I, I I don't want to be upset because people are upset about it because I think it's probably something to do with some sort of tradition. And then I saw Chris Cruz, his tweet, and it made it, I knew it. It was some kind of, every, every, his comment was like every Puerto Rican kid has had this done to them. Now, this video was from Colombia, but so that it's not just a Puerto Rican thing, which I kind of thought it would be because trust me, that's something they would do. But uh, so it's got to be a South American thing. But you're telling me, so you've had this done to you? Yes, this was done to me many times. Boy, that explains many a lot. Many birthdays. That explains a lot. But, but I tell you this, it's not uh, fun receiving it, but giving it, ooh, that is fun. Now, as a as a kid, do you know it's coming? Yes. So you know when your birthday comes and we're singing the happy birthday song, and that song comes to an end, you're screwed. Now, you always put the candles on the cake, or the candles separately. And you... Candles, there's no such thing as candles. Okay, yeah. yeah. You just candles are what smash. we use for light. There's no electricity, Thank you. Jeff. Okay, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> not wasting. We're not one. wasting a candle light to for <laughs> you to blow. Cake, okay. No, you're lucky if you got a cake. Yeah, and if you get one, we're gonna you're getting two though. That's yes. two though, yes. right? Because yes. you got look, you got to give the kids some cake, right? Well, usually grandma makes one for you. The smashing cake and then one cake yes, for you. Yes, Everybody gets to smash it and then you get a cake for you. That's nice. I kind of like that. The only problem I have with that video is the wasting of the liquid. Whatever you liquid water that is, on you or whatever? No, no. Uh, you Wasn't don't have there water. like an egg? Yeah. And you wasting, you just wasted breakfast and shower time. How are you going to shower? Right. How are you going to eat breakfast the next day? <laughs> so that's the only troubling thing of that whole video is you wasted water. If it, if it was water, you just can't tell what it is. And the eggs breakfast for right. the morning. What, so do maybe, do? What, what do you think? They just got carried away? Or is this, I think, or is this I think a Colombian was, thing and I think Puerto Rico got, saves water? <laughs> I think they got a little bit carried away, but that's normal. And stop calling child abuse. It is not child abuse. 
Oh, it, no. The if kid, the kid knows, knows it coming. It's the his birthday. Knows it's He's coming. wiped out with cake. Um, have you seen everybody else all excited because, oh, my God, it's my turn to do it to someone else. Right. That's right. all that is. But they did get a little carried away because you're wasting eggs and you're wasting water. But it could be a Columbia thing. Right. It might, you know, add to it. Yes. We're better than Puerto Rico, that kind yes. of thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All traditions do that. But it's a tradition. I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's part of the deal. It's part of the deal. It's part of growing up. It's in a- okay. It's been going on for years. You know why you know about it now? Social media. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. It just drives me insane. So now we have to be out- outraged. At th- addicted to outrage. Am I promoting a Gledbeck thing again? I think Jesus, you are. Jesus, shoot me. Yeah. You know what? I-, I think Gledbeck needs to turn into El Chapo. I think he needs to turn into... Uh, Enrique Peña Nieto. No, that's the that's the former president, and I don't want Glenn to turn into him. All right. Although if, if Glenn takes the hundred million from, like I said, if Glenn takes the hundred million from, Joaquin Guzman. I know there was another one on there. <laughs> Seriously, we shut this place down. Just shut it off. Just turn it off. Don't even get to get his name. What are you doing? So if Glenn takes the hundred million from Joaquin Guzman Loera, <laughs> that turns him into Enrique Peña Nieto. And I want a piece of the pie. I want a piece of that pie. And I'll take it. You're listening to the Blaze CRTV El Chapo. <laughs> That's the new app. In fact, we're going to take away for $100 million? Well, maybe not $100 million. El Chapo's going to have to. I mean, he's going to. Isn't his money frozen? Yeah. So how's he going to Yeah, but he's, he's got pallets. He's I got pallets hidden somewhere. I don't think Joaquin Guzman Loera has any more money. I would disagree with that. You know he's got pallets somewhere. The ex-wives were showing where they where he was hiding money for them. You know, stacks of money for them in different houses. Come on, man, stacks and stacks and stacks. They just did what they want, you know. And those uh, he's got his money is frozen. How do you freeze a barn full of pallets of cash? You don't. That's not a bank. You don't. That's not the no, bank. No, that of- is not. That is the El Chop. That is the. Uh, uh, Joaquin Guzman Loera Bank. That's his bank. Oh, that's his bank. That's his bank. Mm-hmm. So you see a barn and there's 10 guys standing around it with guns. That's the uh, Joaquin Guzman Loera Bank. You ain't lying, it is. Actually, it will be Joaquin Guzman Loera Banco. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, you call it whatever you want. Yeah. In the Sierra Madre. All right. I am so thirsty. We haven't been to the break room in a while. Let's go to the break room and get a drink. Come on. You know, the caffeine-free Coke Zero is good. It's still Coke Zero, but it's it's not the Coke Zero Sugar. I called it by its real name now. They've hooked me. I'm done. It's not even Coke Zero anymore. It's Coke Zero Sugar. So we're in the break room. Bob Costas. 
You know who Bob Costas is, sports broadcaster for NBC? Don't tell me no. You don't know who Bob Costas is. He's worked for NBC Sports for 40 years. Good for him. Well, he's done with NBC. They're done. 40 years. Over. Now, he still works for Major League Baseball. He's employed by the Major League Network, Major League Baseball Network. And, uh, and this is and this is Bob. He's at 66 years old. He's open to hosting a talk show if the right opportunity comes along. You waiting for somebody to come along and tell you how great you are, Bob? And how wonderful you are? He'd like to do a hybrid show of his HBO show uh, and uh, later. He would like that we hosted on HBO for a number of years, uh, five or six years on HBO. One of the things that uh, now he had a problem. Remember, he got uh, he got removed from the network's Super Bowl pre-show. Now, according to the stories, they were talking about him getting cut because of his comments about concussions to football and stuff. And he said, uh, no, that was not true. Uh, he said that it, I, I was done with it. Uh, I didn't like I didn't like football anymore. He didn't like football anymore. He doesn't like football, really. So he's uh, I was his words were uh, I was uh, um, ambivalent feelings about football. Do you, Bob? Maybe because you never played because you're a wuss. Oh, wait, did I say that loud? He didn't. Uh, I don't. I honestly, I don't know. Honestly, I don't. I'm just making. I'm making. Was just making a joke. Uh, he doesn't appear to be of uh, of, a, of, a, of a of a stature of a human being that would play the sport of football. What's his name again? Bob Hope. Now, Bob Hope is long is dead. Bob Costas is, is done with NBC. Bob Hope is would have been probably 110 today. He died a long time ago. Uh, anyway, Bob Cost is done with NBC, so we got you got that to look forward to. Uh, we've got some strong headlines that uh, I find fascinating. This is something that uh, you'll you'll love, and, we'll, and we can look forward to uh, clips coming from this show. Uh, John Kasich, the ex Ohio governor and former uh, former and probably 2020 presidential hopeful. Uh, is joining CNN as an analyst. Yay! And according to this, he's among the GOP's most sought-after voices for 2020 Insight. Is he? John Kasich? And it's a stretch to call him part of the GOP. I'm sorry. Is this a guy that his dad was a mailman? That's correct. Okay. From okay. Ohio, yes. Yeah. Okay, I just want to make yes, sure. And I'm sure he'll tell us. That's the start open of his show on CNN. Postal service worker. Really. Uh, Sears is going to live to see another day. Company chairman Eddie Lambert uh, was successful in his takeover bid during the department store chain's uh, bankruptcy auction. $5.2 billion deal. He bought it for that? Keep 425 stores open. Save up to 45,000 jobs. The deal still needs to be approved by a bankruptcy judge later this week, but the judge is done. done. Yeah. Uh, a massive, if this, I saw a picture of this, and obviously uh, I'll hold it up for you to look at. Here, look. Oh, wow. What is that? I know. That's a massive alien looking ice disc in a river in Maine. Um, some residents are comparing it to the 300 foot wide uh, crop circle. But it seems it grows and it gets smaller and it gets larger and it grows really, really strange. And I'm not sure what uh, what is causing that in the river, but it's it's good to think that it's some kind of alien crop circle of ice. Uh, can we get coast to coast on that? Absolutely. But why get coast to coast when you've got chewing the fat? McDonald's no longer uh, has the trademark for Big Mac 
in the EU. Wow. A court ruled in favor of a fast food chain's Supermax, allowing other companies to use the name. If ever there was a reason for the United Kingdom to leave the EU, right this is it. When McDonald's, McDonald's, a worldwide fast food chain, doesn't have the rights to Big Mac, there's a problem. We're done. We're doomed. Now, speaking of the UK, uh, we've got, uh, we had uh, Theresa May survived uh, the uh, vote of uh, no confidence. What does that today. mean? Technically? It means she stays in charge. So if they voted confident, she will leave? If they vote incompetent, yeah, they drag her down the streets. Okay. Yeah, they hook up a they hook up a wagon of horses and they drag her down the street. And they seems, drag her they drag her all through the Sierra Madre Mountains. Seems like it's like seventeen hundred kind yeah, of style. It is. Huh. It is. And it's weird. But you know why they would take her all the way to Sierra Madre Mountains and in Mexico and Joaquin Guzman Laredos. I mean, I don't know why they do that, but that's what, that's what they do. I it mean, it's their, it it's their deal. That's why that's we left. True. Yes, that's yes, why we left. Yes, I don't know. Yes, but they also voted yesterday. To uh, against Theresa May's Brexit deal with the EU. It was a sight to see and hear. I love this guy. Do we know his name? The eyes to the right, 306. The nose to the left, 325. Oh, you are! The eyes to the right, 306. The nose to the left, 325. Oh. So the nose have it. The nose have it. Unlock! Unlock! Ah! Quit banging around. I'm dropping stuff everywhere. So, what's his name? John Burkow? Right? John Burkow? I could say that properly. Uh, he's fantastic. I love his order! 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 I mean, he's not playing around, man. I want some order in this joint. Okay? You want him on your side when you're in the drive through I'll tell you that. Uh, I love it. Now, there's big problems, though, because, you know, We've talked a lot about, well, from time to time about Brexit here on Chewing the Fat. And I, I, I really feel like the United Kingdom, the uh, English people are getting screwed on this deal. And that's why they didn't like the Brexit deal. Theresa May's deal was like, we're going to call it Brexit and we're going to say we're leaving the EU. But really, we're not. We're just going to pretend that we're not part of the EU. But really, we are. And the people were like, um, no. So now... I mean, this is where we're at now, where it's all stopped. Now, she survived. She Her deal, she said the right thing yesterday, though. When this was over, uh, after order, order. Uh, after order. 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 Calm down, John. Jeez. Okay, so after John did that, she said the right thing about uh, that uh, it was, this was telling and said what they didn't want, but didn't say what they wanted. So, you know, she's going to try to go back and see what they wanted, which would have made sense to do i don't know months ago but she didn't want to do that months ago because she wanted to we're just gonna pretend that we're leaving okay we're just gonna pretend 
now so they either go back to the EU and try to work out a deal that could be more popular in Parliament. They could uh, break the current deadline for British withdrawal from the EU is March 29th. So the government... Cut, John. Settle down, okay? I'm not done. The government could ask for an extension in the hopes that they'll agree to the framework. The... A no-deal Brexit, uh, the U.K. could leave the E.U. without any plan. And this is the outcome businesses fear most, which they shouldn't, by the way. And we could talk more about that if you'd like, but they shouldn't. They should just pull the freaking plug. And that's why many, they're saying, are stockpiling goods to cope with the potential chaos. I think it's not going to be as chaotic as you think. Because that's what the people wanted. Leave the freaking E.U., because now if they go back and they flip the Brexit question and make a, make the voters vote again, I mean, there is not going to be any. John's going to be walking the streets hollering order and the people are going to be lighting fires in the streets of London, man. The people are going to be fighting and John's going to be wandering around London. And it ain't going to happen, my friend. All right, so remember you can communicate with us uh, with the hashtag chewing the fat when you uh, communicate with us on uh, Twitter at JeffyMRA, uh, Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio, and Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio. And I'll give Chris some love too. What's your Twitter account? Really, it's not that complicated. It's at Real Chris Cruz. Yeah, I can't remember that. Okay. So you can use that in, uh, with the hashtag chewing the fat. And, uh, you know, at JeffyMRA is really the most important one. What's, what's yours again? At. Chris Cruz. Yeah. No, uh, actually, no, it's at real Chris Cruz. Now you got me all confused. Did I mention earlier in this podcast how difficult it was to find good? What the hell is your Twitter account? At real Chris Cruz. Okay, thank you. I'm ne- I will never ask that again, and I apologize. The uh, But you can communicate with us with the hashtag chewing the fat. Now, those of you that are listening, thank you so much. I appreciate it. But I hope that you're a subscriber, that you subscribe to the podcast so you get the alert when the new podcasts get posted every day. And if you're not, please subscribe. And I'd be great once you subscribe if you would rate and review it. Uh, you know, take the time. Just, you know, five, 20, it's, they're going to ask you uh, to rate it. And then they want you to go through and then they want you to give you give you a review of the podcast. And I know you're busy. So instead of just posting, you know, Whatever they want you to do, just post 20 stars. Best podcast ever. Done. We're good. And that gets other people the idea that this podcast is great, as well, just like you think it is. And uh, and then I would like you to do this. And I know I'm asking a lot, and I apologize. But it's the first of the year, and you've made some resolutions, so let's work through them together, okay? My resolution is that you subscribe to the podcast and that you share it once a day. That's all you do. Just share it. You share it with people that you like. You could share it with people you don't like, but at least share it. So subscribe, rate 20 stars, review best podcast ever, share it. And the easiest way to share it is just to uh, click share on your email. And the first name that pops up in your email said, hey, give it a listen. Thinking of you, give it a listen. People will appreciate it because you were thinking of them. 
and they'll appreciate you even more because you've given them this great podcast to listen to. It's just that easy. Welcome to a special edition of Chewing the Fat, and joining me is the, the Brad Meltzer. Uh, I mean... He's here in the building? Novelist he is. I saw him I saw him not long ago. That guy's uh, He was just hanging out, sitting around, doing nothing, as usual. <laughs> I, re- I really do. My job, I, I look, as a novelist, I talk to imaginary people all day. That's my job. Like, that is just the saddest, like, it's like... You ever remember in uh, the movie Back to School? He'd say like he has no he has no friends. You know, I have one friend. He has no friends. That's me. I'm both those people. <laughs> so let's 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 go down that road a little bit. Um, you work from most of your writing is done at home. You have a home office, yep. right? I mean, you're yep. there. You go down the hallway and you're writing books. How does that work out for you? I mean, do you, do you, is there a time when like that door is closed, so we're leaving Dad and and my husband alone, and we don't go in there, we don't knock, don't even. Don't even breathe down that hallway. There's genius in that room. Stay away. Right? No, no. You know, for one of the things we did is um, I'm on the second floor. There's just like a little, and I know it sounds so stupid, but being on the second floor as opposed to the first, and it's a tiny little office. It's it's smaller than the room we're in right now. Um, you know, it's like a 12 by 12 space, probably the size of my college dorm room. But just being physically away from the family in the house uh, I remember when I first started writing, I, I couldn't even afford to buy the books on what you needed to, like the the how-to books to be a writer and how to work at home. But I remember going to the bookstore and just reading them in the aisle, right? right. I was that guy. And and I didn't have the money for it. So I just read them and, and it said, if you have a home office, I'll never forget it. It said, it said, treat it like an actual office. In other words, if you if you go into your office all the time at home and then you come out and you talk to your family and then you go into your office... Basically, they start bleeding together, and your right. home becomes your office, and your office becomes your home, and then you're going to have a problem. And for 20 years now, the one thing that I always do is I never come out of my office. Even just to, like, get food, I almost—I can't even tell you the last time I came down. My kids know you call if the help I'm not and have there. Bring you something yeah, yeah, I call, the, I call the butler's butler, and then I ask him to do it, okay. and then the butler does it. No, I mean, I, I, um, I really just try to keep those physical places separate— and my kids know, although my kids come up and talk to me, they know it's not like a, I mean, they, but they just know when I'm down, I'm always, I'm theirs. And if I'm up, I'm, I'm working. And, and I like that, but I do work at home. I work best at night right? and, and that's, but I want to be with my kids and I want to be with my wife. So I don't, I, I treat it like a job. Yeah, I just, instead schedule. I keep it as a nine to five job, nine to six, whatever, six thirty, whatever it might be. That's as late as I usually go. The weekends I don't work. I may on book tour is obviously different if I'm on tour, but I, I don't work on the weekends. I try to really be there for my family and and when it's work time, then it's work time. So uh, speaking of the tour, I know you're on tour uh, right now. Uh, you know we're uh, we're talking on the day that uh, you're getting ready to do uh, your Dallas stop. And then uh, how much time is left for the for the tour for your uh, for your for your latest book? Uh, the first conspiracy. The first conspiracy, the secret plot to kill George Washington tour is uh, we are. This is Dallas. I have Denver tomorrow, St. Louis the day after, Kansas City the day after, Chicago the day after, Fort Lauderdale the day after, and then I will take a nap. Now, are some of these uh, you mentioned earlier to me today that some of these are being streamed? So, are people going to be able to go back and watch them uh, online later? No, no. The the streaming that I was telling you about is only in inside the building. The one they're doing in Dallas. There, no, you can't see it anywhere else. 
you got to pay to watch it from another. They sold out the Dallas one. And if you want to come into the building, you can watch on like a TV in well, like the room down, next door. It's such a downstairs. Right. It's upstairs, downstairs, right? But the good news is you can come and get the book signed and meet me and take pictures and we'll do all that. That's how they oh, charge you money. Cool. So, right. That's a big, no, but no, it's not for anyone. No, if you pay tickets, they're not going to beam it to anybody. Then people who <laughs> bought tickets are mad. No, we sold out and they were just like, how do we keep up with the people who want to still come? So they basically put some TV in a room. So I don't want to tell you how to do your job, Brad, but, but you know, maybe you should record one and film yeah. one and well, we did, you know film what? them all and then take the best, take the best of one, all of Right. I mean, but so, so it would be like a comedy album. It'll be like my comedy album where I love when they do the comedy album and you can tell that they cut away, cut away. to like, that was the better joke that came from when he was in San Francisco and this is the one in LA. He changed sweaters in the middle right, of a joke. Right, in the middle of the show. Um, we do... Uh, so for to that, C-SPAN came when we were in Washington, D.C. and filmed. And so in a couple of weeks, C-SPAN will put oh, yeah. an actual event I catch online. my father-in-law watching the C-SPAN That's book That's who watches C-SPAN. Well, the best part is, is when you're no, on C-SPAN. I end up watching it when, he's at, when he has it on. When, when, you, when, you, when you're on C-SPAN, and I've been, yeah, I did this thing on C-SPAN recently. It was a three-hour interview on Ooh. live C-SPAN, and then everyone can call in. Like even my relatives are like, like, my wife was, she's like, I watched all three hours. That's probably the only person. Like, you have to be married to me to sit for the whole three hours. But there were clearly people who were watching for those three yeah. hours, and they oh, were calling yeah. in. And and the best part of them is they make it so clear that they're not watching for you. Like, they're just like, I don't care what, like, it could be a rock that's on TV, and they're going to call in to ask that rock a question, right? <laughs> like, they're just like, just tell me what you think about the immigration debate. Like, they just... And they and they don't even ask That's you. Tell so me good. they they want you to hear what they think about right. such debate. And I just love that there are like, in a sense, there are C-SPAN groupies out there oh, that yeah. are only fans of C-SPAN. And like those are, you know, I, I love comic books and the comic book world. Kind of looks down on the Star Trek world, which looks down on the gaming world. And like somewhere in there is the C-SPAN <laughs> the world, right? Right. There's, there's some yeah. high, and everyone has to look down on somebody. Um, but I love. I will say I look up to the people who. Do nothing but watch C-SPAN because they just can't get enough. I can honestly say I am not one of those people. Yes, I could tell that. But I do watch it from time to time. Yeah, I, I watch I, it too. I and they have a good you, old right. You but find yourself is, on there. And, they, but, and I will say that once you're there, you are stuff, there. You can quote course. me on that. Once and, you're there, you're there. And not just that, they have great authors that I would yes. otherwise not see. So I'm like, oh, I Absolutely. like that author. I want to learn about that historical book. I'm going to do it. Absolutely. But they watch all of them. Right. Like they watch all of them and they're, and God bless them for doing so. We need somebody. Absolutely. To absolutely we do. All right. So you've got uh, the first conspiracy. I uh, will talk a little bit about the new book. I know you got to hawk it out. This is, uh, it was, uh, you know, this is, are we still in the first week? We still were in the first uh, week. We sales, just finished right? the first, okay. we just finished. Yeah. Sunday. Ooh. We finished the first week. Okay. So, so yeah. First so now week the sales, sales don't matter. count anymore. No, but now that we first week, second yeah, week, every sale, every sale matters. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've been going around talking about this so very quickly. Let's do it so we can, uh, but it's, yes is um, it's it's literally the secret plot to kill George Washington. I found the story a decade ago nearly um, in a footnote, and I was like, is this real? Is this fake? What is it? And it, it's true. There was in 1776 a secret plot to kill George Washington. When George Washington Amazing. found out about it, he gathers up those responsible, builds a gallows, and he hanged the man in front of 20,000 people, the largest public execution at that point in North American history, just brought the hammer down. It's like, don't mess with me. I'm George Washington. Right. I, I got a badass wig. Don't mess with me. You know, like he, <laughs> that's an actual historic quote. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But 
I, I was struck by the story and decided to write my first ever nonfiction book. People know me for the fiction books, but I wrote my first ever nonfiction book uh, called The First Conspiracy, The Secret Plot to Kill George Washington. So um, you found it in a footnote a decade ago. Do you take a snapshot on your phone of that footnote and put it away? Do you, know, it was you copy it on one. a little piece of paper that you tape into I, a book, and when you go up into your office one morning, you go, I don't know what I'm going to write about, and you start flipping through your little notes yeah, that you Yeah, no, found. I keep a, I, I literally, I, I have a little couple of places where I just I'm fascinated keep, by the work process. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. No one's ever asked about that. Um, I, that's exactly what I do. I find that nugget. The first thing I do, I can't help myself, is I start researching it. I'm just sitting right there, and I'm like, okay, what is this thing? Right. And I start going down the rabbit hole, and I'll, I can easily kill an hour easily, oh, like on no cake. time. Um, and then what I do is I'm like, oh, this this really happened, so put it in your file. And I put it in this kind of folder that I keep for ideas to, like, sure. you got to go back to. It's like, and basically five years go by. And Jeffrey, man, I'm still thinking about this thing. I can't <laughs> shake it. And I know one thing about myself is is if five years go by and I'm still thinking about it, it's, it's time it. to do it, yeah. right? It's a good it's enough it. idea. And so I went to um, Pulitzer Prize winning author Joseph Ellis, who wrote one of the great George Washington biographies. And I said to him, do you know this story? Like it's a plot to kill Washington. Is this real? You know, what is it? And he said to me, it's real. Um, I know the story, he told me. And wow. he said... But here's the thing about it. It's a story that involves Washington spies. And he said, that's why it's hidden. That's why you don't know about it. He said, you can you can easily find the exact number of slaves that George Washington owned. You'll never find all his spies. He said, by its nature, what you're looking for, Brad, is going to forever be elusive. And he said to me, but you got to try. He says, if you try... You take a shot, you'll get a book out of it if it goes well. If it goes bad, big deal, you had an adventure. <laughs> and and I was like, you know what? Okay. That's exactly what I want to do. I want to have an adventure. Yeah. Um, I found a, a story that you told uh, on uh, the Glenn Beck radio program uh, was about the hanging. And uh, I found that fascinating how that got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it begs the question, right? Like, why do we not know this right. story? A guy comes, is coming for George Washington like it's a Scorsese movie and nobody know we don't know this. And there, and one of them is, again, because of, uh, of course, that it was involved his spies. It kept it hidden. But two is when the hanging took place. And it was June 28th, 1776. Amazing. Now, guess what else Nothing is happening? Nothing else going on around right? that time. Hey, it's June 28th, 1776. You guys busy? Like, <laughs> it's a week away from July 4th. The British are literally coming. The first draft of the Declaration of Independence is being is being handed in. I mean, with headlines like that. Turmoil everywhere. This just gets lost and becomes a footnote to history. And just gets, I mean, 20,000 people watch this thing. They, there was no Twitter or Facebook back then, but they wrote, you know how many people wrote letters saying, sure. like, I was at a hanging. George Washington was there. Oh my God! They killed this man who and and quickly spread through the crowd. In fact, one guy wrote a letter because it, it obviously very quickly spread through the crowd. And some people thought it was rumor. Some people thought it was real. They didn't know that this was a plot to kill Washington. And a guy was so disturbed by by that idea and what he saw that he was a witness to the hanging that he he invented a new word to describe it. And the word he invented was sacricide, what he called the de the death of good. And when you have to, I was like, if you have to invent new words, you're at a big deal event, right? No kidding. And so uh, I love the the fact, that, and the whole book is filled with 
things you don't know about George Washington. That's the whole fun of it. Like, why read what you know everything? I mean, I didn't know, and I didn't know this myself. George Washington had his own private bodyguards. He asked all of his top military leaders, he said, give me your four best men. And he wanted what they call drilled men, the best of the best. And he took those, he narrowed it down to about 50 himself, and they became the, uh, they called them the commander's guard, they called them the general's guard, but the name that stuck were the lifeguards because one of their jobs was to guard George Washington's life. And man, do I love that. And, no these, and the crazy part is these were the men who turned on him. Of course. Uh, naturally. They of did. course. Naturally. Why else? And, and so the, the plot to kill him just becomes this amazingly devastating moment for George Washington because his own men are turning on him. I mean, the, the turmoil and the division in the country at the time, uh, at that time. Oh, it was staggering. I mean, yeah, yeah, and you're right, because we... We love to tell the story that, oh, my gosh, ever we all came together. We all dreamed of democracy. Right. Let's join hands and we'll live happily <laughs> right. ever after and beat the British, the biggest fighting, greatest fighting force the world has ever known. And um, it wasn't like that at all. Like that. I mean, there were in 1776, there were nearly as many loyalists on the British side as there were patriots on the American side. And in our own army, we were divided completely. We We had... People from Virginia in the regiments in Virginia just didn't like the Massachusetts one. This one got in a fight with the the Connecticut one. We weren't wearing the same uniforms, right? right. We we're wearing some guys that were showing up in work shirts. There's no one United States back then. It's not there, and, and it's it's these groups. In fact, when on one day the Massachusetts regiment is picks a fight and they're fighting with the Virginia regiment, George Washington races in on his horse, leaps off the horse grabs two of the guys by the neck and is basically shaking them and saying, stop fighting. We're on the same team. Doing. We're supposed to be right? on the same team. And if ever there were a metaphor for where we are today as a culture, right? Boy, there no it is. Uh, and, and I love that, you know, you can read the book and enjoy watching the, this plot to kill Washington. But I also love that you get to see the kind of real story of the American Revolution in the process. Very fascinating. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually delving into it. Mm, yeah. Um, Brad Meltzer, that's who we're talking to. You know, uh, according to his Twitter account, the greatest criminal mind of our time, best-selling author, uh, the man, and the man who was, uh, you know, you're a prime example of people that I like to talk about living the American dream and living their American dream. Everybody has a different idea of what the American dream is. But now you, I, I'm guessing... And I don't know this, but I'm just guessing that you didn't start out with the silver spoon. Uh, yeah. That you didn't start out with no, the wet nurse. I, I wish. That you Man, weren't that living been, that up at the, the high tower. That would have been sweet living if we had money. Um, no, my family, I grew up in 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 New York, in Brooklyn, New York, uh, in a totally you know working class, middle class kid. Uh, my dad was worked in a, a greeting card store. That was what he did. Um, and... My parents didn't go to four-year, you know, I was, I I mean, they, my dad, when he was 39 years old, lost his job. And it wasn't one of those moments where he just, we didn't have money. We were worried about safety. He didn't have, we didn't have a place to live. We didn't have it. We didn't know where to turn. We didn't know what to do. Uh, The only place we did know where to turn is we went, uh, my grandmother lived in Florida, like most people's grandmothers. picking up and moving there. And so my dad picked up and said, we're going to have the do-over of life. That's what he called it, the do-over of life. At 39, he had, had to two go with kids, it, though. He went with it. And he made it sound like it was an adventure. And I was terrified. I remember even them being terrified. And he picked us up, moved us down to Florida. I gave, he gave a fake address so that I could go to the wealthy public school. I was zoned for a really bad school because our neighborhood wasn't that great. 
And um, but your grandma didn't care what it was. Right. I mean, and and we live in my great. We actually didn't even have enough money for a down payment for for rent. We couldn't even afford the you know the not down payment the the what's the um, the deposit into- the, the the security deposit. We couldn't even afford that. So we had to live with my grandmother for like three months until we could save up that. My dad uh, wound up selling insurance and, and got that as a job. And but they gave I gave a fake address, which meant that when I went to high school, none of my report cards came home because we were given a fake address so I could go to this I wealthy school. And when I was Man, in, I should have thought of when that. I was in this school, that's where people started talking about this thing called college. And I was like, oh, you know, they're like, Brad, you taking the SAT? I'm like, I don't know what the SAT is, but if, <laughs> if you're taking it, I'm taking it. Um, and I was just determined. I, I was right. hungry. And and these all these wealthy kids, you know, they had everything handed to them. I remember watching them and being like, these are such spoiled brats. I'm like, I'm going to outwork them. And I just had this hunger in me uh, that, you know, can only be created by need. And was lucky enough to become the first in my family to go to a four-year college. I went to University of Michigan. Hail to the victors, hail baby. Hail to the victors. And it changed my life. I mean, it really changed my life. It was my first... Uh, Kind of like look at another universe beyond my own. Right. And well, you were fortunate enough to maybe see a little bit beyond another universe because you went to the, you know, the rich high school. So you saw a little bit of the other side. Yeah. You know, I look back now and I, I, I don't know when the line was when I, when you realized that you were growing up as just a poor white kid. I don't know when that uh, line know, was. I knew it very clearly. But you just said that you were terrified when you moved. When oh, you, when I knew it. I knew it completely. I, I remember going and shopping at the equivalent of like Kmart, Walmart. We used to call it Zares is what it yeah, was in Florida, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, but, and nothing wrong with it. I'm proud that I shopped there. But, you know, everyone else was wearing their polo shirts. And we had to go and get something that like kind of looked like a horse. Uh-huh. But it wasn't a horse. It was a dinosaur. Blue right? Tip right. tennis we, shoes. We didn't get, you know, and my mom's favorite place, even to her dying day. In fact, when we... Um, when, when I hit the bestseller list at the number one spot for the very first time, I called my mother, my, my wife had known cause they called my house and I wasn't there. And, um, and they, my wife called me and said, you know, the book's number one on the bestseller list. So I called my mother as the first person I called and she starts hysterically crying. And I, and I said, mom, where are you? And she says at Marshall's. And I'm like, of course she's at Marshall's. Of course she's at like, Marshall's. She's, you know, I'm on the number one spot of the bestseller. She's still trying to get a deal on irregular socks, yeah. you know? And like that's, and I'm proud of that. I love that my mom's great lesson was, is like, you should never, ever, ever change who you are. Right. Um, and I'm proud of that. I, I love that. Well, I just, I just remember uh, to this day, I dislike laundromats. And the only reason I have for disliking laundromats is I can remember walking with my mother and my brother with a wagon full of dirty clothes, five blocks to the laundromat to wash clothes and fold them and put them back in the wagon and walk back to yeah, the Yeah, we had that same thing. In fact, I know, I knew when my dad would get paid because he would, um, he brought the dry cleaning home. If you had a shirt, like a dress shirt that he needed for work, it would sit in the dry cleaner for weeks, months. He was all commissioned. He didn't get paycheck. Right. So the dry cleaning, he would bring home like Chinese food and dry cleaning. And when the dry cleaning was over his shoulder, we knew that was a payday. And I grew up with, you know, I remember people used to go and I remember seeing, they, they'd say, fill her up at the gas station. Yeah. When people used to just, you know, pump your no gas way. for you. dollar, 50 we would be, cents. We would be like five bucks, three bucks, yeah. 10 bucks, four, you know, $2. That's, that was, there was no fill it up. I know, fill it up was like, rich people filled it up. Right. We basically were like, what you got? Right. And make sure you drive a little bit to get and the better gas. Please wash my windows. Gas. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, you know, and and I will tell I wouldn't trade that for anything in the whole world because I feel like that gave me an appreciation. Um, in fact, you know, I, I just think one of the things that people always do when they find success is they forget everywhere where they came from. And I work very hard to never, ever lose track of that. I always appreciate that, that what I've been able to, you know, be blessed enough to do. So that struggle that, um, gave you the drive and the appreciation and you go to the university of Michigan and you, uh, you know, uh, graduate from the, you did graduate from the university of Michigan. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, uh, they don't just let anybody speak at their graduation ceremony, right? You have to be a graduate. Right. And, uh, uh, you, you have the drive and then you, uh, you know, you, you end up being who you are. Now you have, you have the American dream, right? You have success, you have a beautiful wife, you have children. How do you instill that drive? Cause I have a uh, big problem with that. I mean, I look too. at my children and I think, you know, when I was your age, <laughs> it was a different world. You know, I listen. I think I think there's, and I think you have to. The corollary to that is, how do you keep that for yourself, right? How do you not become the spoiled brat? And and so let's do one than the other. Um, For my kids, I mean, I'm very conscious. You know what? I believe. I tell my kids all my stories. Like I tell them, and and when we go, like when we were growing up, and you went to a restaurant, my sister and I, we knew one thing: you never order a drink, because a drink costs money. You get water. We knew growing up. They, and that was just the thing. Water's free and a drink costs money. I remember I went out with my sister and we were, this is like in the last year or two, and we went out somewhere and my sister ordered like a Diet Coke. And I was <laughs> like, oh, doing? fancy pants tonight, huh? <laughs> like, I mean, we are 25, 30 years later and, and she's like, I know it's a big splurge. Like, she still is like that. She's still like, I never it, do yeah. it. And she's like, I never do it. I'm like, I know we, like, we can't do it. And I, and my kids know, like, if you want a soda, like I, I say to them, like, let me tell you some water. And I just, I don't care. I'm like, you have to live it. It's not, and and do I fail on it on some level? Well, I mean, we all do. Sure, right? of, course of course I do sometimes. I took we my want kids the best to, for our children. I want the best for my kids. I took my kids to the World Series because someone got me tickets. And I was like, I'm going to take my kids to the World Series. Sure. Um, and and you know what? My, my, that my kids are good about it. They appreciate it. They never. I feel like mine do too, and I hope that that you know I hope that that actually rubs off in the long run. But I hope I, so, and and for myself, I actually am very conscious of that too. I mean, my my first book got twenty four rejection letters. There were only twenty publishers, and I got twenty four rejection. How's letters, that right? possible? Really? Which means some people are writing me twice to make sure I got the point <laughs> right. Like, dear Brad, in case you missed that first uh, letter, sure. the, you know, you here's the, the second one. Right? Here's, yeah, that book really sucked. Um, but the the real part of the story was is letter number rejection number twenty three and twenty four. We thought were going to be acceptance letters. We thought they were actually going to be ones that said we loved it because there were two people number twenty three and twenty four actually did like the book. They had me come into their offices. I had wow. to meet with them. I was like, so my agent said to me, "Gotta feel good about that." I felt good. She's like, "Stay by the phone." This is back before cell phones. She's like, "Stay by the phone. I'm going to call you at this time." I'm going to tell you what their offers are. I think they're going to bid against each other. You're going to make money. And I was in debt at the time from college and had law school debt that I was paying off. And I I, I literally waited by the phone to ring so that I could pick up the phone and she was going to say, you made it. Here you go. Here's how, here's how wealthy you are going to be. And I picked up the phone and Jeffy, I'll never forget. I pick it up and she's, and I hear this. Sorry, kiddo. 
and it was they both rejected it. And my stomach sank out from under me. I was devastated. Oh, no it was the kidding. end. And to this day, for over 20 years now, every day that I sit down to write, I replay that moment in my head. I literally replay the phone that I'm holding. It was one of those clear phones that has like the wires running through. You could see because that seemed like high tech at those the time. Cool. Yeah, those were the cool things. They were cool. The time, yeah. um, I had a, a Formica desk on the left of me and the swivel lamps that everyone has in college on those little swivel things. On my right is a bed and a box spring because we had no headboard. It was just, you know, a mattress right. and a box spring. Straight ahead is a is this little terrace that I looked over on a concrete parking lot and across from me, diagonally to the left, was a fire station with three doors. One, two, three. And every day that I sit down to write for 20 years now, and then at the end I, I close my, you know, basically in my head say, sorry, kiddo. 20 years now, every day, sorry, kiddo, sorry, kiddo, sorry, kiddo. Because I never, ever want to lose that desire that I had when I was 20-something years old. I never want to lose that that appreciation for what I have. And I certainly never, ever want to think that I made it. Because the moment I think I made it, I'm finished. Um, and that is, I do it every day I work, every time. Well, I'll be the one to think it for you then well that you've i made it i appreciate it but i can't that, that is to me like i don't I, you don't ever want to make it you know i one of the reasons i was obsessed when i when i met president bush the first time is he wrote me a letter saying he liked my books and i remember thinking he must be so bored that he's left the white house and now he's writing me letters and i was so <laughs> struck by that idea like imagine someone told the you president right is a so former bored. president right i'm like imagine someone told because that's what happens you you you, I was fascinated by the idea that you are the leader of the free world one day, and the next day you got to stop at red lights like right. the rest of us. And right. imagine someone told you, listen, Jeffy, everything you've done, you've peaked, and now everything you do is going to be downhill. You're never going to have as much fun, excitement, or stimulation as you had when you were in that White House. Like, that would be devastating to me. Sure would. And I was so struck Sorry, by that. Kiddo. That was how I met her. Sorry, kiddo, right? I mean... I was so struck by that. That's what I asked him to see. I said, can I come see what your life is like? Because I want to see what that's like. Um, so anyway, uh, for me, I think that that's a vital thing to try and do. So what's next? You have uh, you have your children's books. Yeah. I chose, so, we, we, so First Conspiracy is out now. The Escape Artist uh, was the last thriller. It is that just a movie came yet? A, a, No, I wish, man. What are you doing? I, I know. Trust me. Tell my agent. Call them now. I, just say, what are you doing? Call me. No, they're great. I'll they, make that uh, happen. But I'm working on the sequel right now. The Escape Artist just came out in paperback. And so we finally, uh, people, I couldn't afford hardcover books growing up. Like, right. I, the paperback is where you bought it. I read everything in paperback. I, mean, I was always so happy. My, my, <laughs> my aunt was the uh, librarian at the State Library in Lansing. Yeah. And so the books that we got for Christmas from her were the hardcover ones. And I still have those. Right. right. Uh, those. I mean, I remember the first hardcover book I bought, I graduated college and I went to every bookstore to see who had it cheapest. And then, you know, whoever had it cheapest by a dollar, 50 cents, 30 Doesn't cents, matter. I didn't care. I would, That's a tank I would of gas. walk there. I would walk <laughs> there. Right. That's exactly right. And, and, um, and so then, so the escape artist is out in paperback. We're doing for the I Am Kids book series. We just came out with I Am Neil Armstrong uh, for the illustrated books for kids we do. The newest one comes out next month, and it is I Am Billie Jean King, which is a really fun book that we did, um, especially because, you know, I, we were proofing the book, and 
I got a phone call from Billie Jean King's people there, and they basically said, Billie Jean wants to talk to you. You do not want to get that call, right? <laughs> that is a terrifying call. I don't know. I, I don't so know that I put Billie Jean on the, on the you do not want to get that yeah. call. But in fact, you say that. Because you don't want to be think, like, you don't want to have screwed it and up. And I think, well, wait a minute. If I got that call, I, I wouldn't want that call either. Right. Well, you don't want to hear you screwed it up. And so she was amazing. She actually helped us proof the book. So I Am Billie Jean King comes out um, in February. And in November, we are doing our... I Am Kids books are coming as a cartoon TV show Good. on PBS. I was just going to ask yeah. about that, if that was going to so happen, because that's fantastic. Yeah, PBS is going to do, we just announced it on our social media, whatever, a couple weeks ago. Um, but PBS is going to do a cartoon TV show. It's called Xavier Riddle in the Secret Museum. And the best part of that is that it's about Xavier, his sister, Yadina, and their best friend, Brad, uh, who looks remarkably huh. handsome. Um <laughs> And they go back in time. It's a cartoon, they though. Meet, Don't yeah, let it kid they, yourself. They meet. Uh, that's exactly right. <laughs> it's amazing how handsome they can make me when I'm a cartoon, <laughs> and it doesn't actually look like me at all. Um, but anyway, they go back in time and meet different heroes, and we get to do. I mean, listen, we're getting to do our own cartoon show. That just to me is really cool. Stupid fun. Really cool. I've got a couple ideas to add to your cartoon. You got some people. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. I've got some really good ideas. Now, um, you uh, you talked about. Um, you know your American dream, but really your American dream started with uh, you know the the strong work ethic. You know we talk about going into your office and working, but you know I see you uh, write. You sit down, even if you don't have anything, you're still sitting down and and trying oh, to yeah. create something. Yeah, my belief and, is you don't just take off; you work. Yeah, and, and and listen, I mean, it's not that I'm a genius. That's all I know. That's what I saw. My dad was, my dad wasn't the smartest guy in the room, but my God, was he hardworking. You know, and I always say that there are better writers than me who never get a shot. And there are great writers out there. I tell my kids, I'm like, I'm not the, you know, I'm, I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, I'm not the best writer, but I'll outwork them all. I will outwork you all. Um, and that is, you know, to me, what I learned growing up. It's what my parents gave me. It's the only thing I know. It was never handed to me. I, f I mean, we fought for everything. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's a fantastic thing. That, I mean, that gives you a work ethic. Yes. And that is your American dream. Amen. Brad Meltzer, I love you. Thanks for stopping by. Love I appreciate you, it. I know you got to get out of here and you're busy on your tour and doing all kinds of stuff and you made a little time for me and I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Love you, brother. All right. <laughs>